Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to the Rock and Roll Garage. It's your Uncle Jimmy here with Grease the Wheels, the Automotive Technician Podcast for all you wench and wrench. Wench and wrench. Think about that shit, huh? You wrench-twisting motherfuckers out there in Grease the Wheels Nation. Thank you very much for what you do. Yes, thank you very much for what you do. Listen, I wanted to expand on that this particular week because I don't think it gets through. Uh, It's just me. I just feel like... You guys, myself included, out there in the world with the wrenches and the screwdrivers and the hammers and the torches and the fucking pry bars and whatever else we got, with all the things that we're doing to keep this fucking planet going, we get fucking very little appreciation for that. No thanks whatsoever. And sometimes we're even very poorly paid. I cannot fucking stand it. I can't stand it. Cocksuckers are making... You know, buck fifty, two hundred, two ten, two twenty-five, three hundred, up to, up to and including three hundred and fifty and even four hundred dollars an hour for our labor, and then fucking slicing us off the absolute smallest little piece of pie to pay us to actually create that fucking labor. It irritates the fucking shit out of me. I don't like it. Fucking pisses me off. Listen, I want to take some time here and do a podcast. And uh, let you know how much I appreciate you. And uh, I want to be, I want to try to say this as sincerely as I possibly can while little tiny bugs fly all around my fucking head here. It's kind of crazy. You may hear me trying to smash their little microscopic skulls in uh, from time to time. I don't know what's going on. I think I put a piece of fruit in a garbage can a while back and forgot to take the garbage out last week or some shit. And now I'm getting fucking Pearl Harbored by these little motherfuckers. Look, boys and girls, uh, sorry, that that seems to be your problem, Uncle Jimmy. Yeah, it's a Monday problem. And I don't know why Mondays suck as much as they do, but this Monday suck worse than most do, if you can believe that. Thank you very much, Susanna Hoffs. What I wanted to do is provide with to you... An idea how important you are. I think it's important for you to know that what you do is important. What you have accomplished is important. What you're going to accomplish is important. And that, oh, by the way, other fucking people who think they can do what you do, who think they're smarter than you, better than you, more intelligent than you, yeah, we're about to find out they're fucking not. They're not. Okay. Now, look, there, there's a lot of smart people in the world. I get that. Uh, really, I'm not one of them. I'm kind of on the outside looking in as far as brains go. But for all the people out there in the world who are smart or at least think they're smart, there's a fucking whole hell of a lot of them have no idea what we do. And oh, by the way, could not fucking do it if they tried. So how smart does that make them? Well, not smarter than you and me. That's for fucking sure, right? And I want to avoid using the word stupid because I I really honestly believe that every human being on this planet, I mean, all 7 billion of them, Everybody knows something that I don't and vice versa. I know something that they don't. So you got to kind of got to kind of take it all with a grain of salt. There are people out there who are amazingly intelligent with humongous IQs who can't even tie their fucking shoes. Okay. And this is just the way the brain works. Your brain is going to lock in and focus on something. And some people have brains that lock in and focus on shit that doesn't fucking matter whatsoever. And other people are locked in and focused on stuff that does matter a great deal. And oh, by the way, don't spend much time thinking about any of the other fucking shit. And what you find is that a lot of people who focus on this, that, or the other thing do not, absolutely do not focus on how to fix their own shit, their their car, maybe their boat, their lawnmower, even a fucking toaster. They have no idea. They have no idea. It's a whole genre 
of intelligence that has slipped past them that they have not even dipped a toe into the water about. They don't know anything about it. And so that's where we come in. So what we have to do and what I'd like to do is for you uh, to make you realize that what you do is important. It makes you intelligent. It makes you useful. It makes you essential, really. The COVID-19 taught us that. If if it didn't teach you that, it should have. Uh, we were essential employees throughout that whole thing. Hello. <laughs> all of a sudden, people got to stop treating us like shit. What the fuck is that all about? Oh, Jesus Christ. Shit doesn't fucking work unless you got fucking guys out there who are willing to fucking roll up on it when it's fucked up and apply their smarts, their their expertise, their tools, and whatever else they've got and make that shit fucking work again. And that, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all of us, that's us. That's us. And look, seriously, I know that the amount of appreciation I try to force into this microphone doesn't come out the other end like I wish it would. It doesn't come out like it should anyway. Uh, and then there's no way I can tell other people how to treat people. I mean, if I could do that, I would end racism and sexism and all kinds of shit like that. And then I would probably end all of the uh, all of the kind of uh, occupational racism that goes on with, uh, there's no other real way to put it, that goes on with what we do as mechanics and technicians, whatever you prefer to call yourself. What I want to do is tonight, and it's nighttime, I'm sorry, it's Monday night. I have to do it on Monday night every once in a while because on Sunday I'm just too fucking mellow and too washed out from the weekend to have any kind of angst, any kind of uh, any <laughs> any kind of vigor in my in my voice or in my attitude or both. But what I want to do is I want to I want to point out how important you are by pointing out. And I, I like I said, I want to try to refrain from using the word stupid. But let me just say I want to point out how uninformed everyone who's not a mechanic is. Okay, and what what I came up with. And and I it didn't take long really to find this. I was on Facebook and I just typed in car problems and car advice. Okay, now if you think for a second that this is a just a sh- a shit show of of bullshit, let me confirm that for you. It is exactly that. Uh, this is a public group. Anybody could go to it. You can certainly go to it. It has sixteen thousand members. What the fuck, bro? <laughs> And some of these people are asking questions that are literally, uh, well, they're, they're idiotic, okay? And I wanted to kind of bring you some of these. And I think, uh, honestly, there's a few people out there who are trying to help these people. And that's kudos to you guys out there if you're doing that or if you're not doing that. I think, uh, in my case, I don't do that. Uh, and, and there's a good reason why I don't do that is I, I don't feel like entertaining some of these people and giving them... Uh, information that's going to lead them to do things to their car that aren't good because you can it's an old cliche to say you can lead a horse to water you can't make them drink you can give people all the information they need to do something to fix something to repair something you can't make them do it right though and in a lot of cases i don't want to do that because some sometimes they're talking about breaks and I, sh- I sure as fuck don't want people who are going to look for advice on facebook about how to f- do their breaks I don't want them getting that advice from me. And I don't want to be responsible for the the uh, proverbial school bus full of cheerleaders catching fire because somebody hit it. But I mean, as a as far as a joke or as a cliche goes, it, it just it works only it works for me because it 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 it's absurd. But it's absurd to think that somebody could repair something they have little or no knowledge of, and then go out and put other people at danger, testing out their prowess with the repair, testing out how well their repair went. 
Uh, I told you the story a while back about the guy who did the brake fluid flush and ran over his Harley. That's a true story. Uh, Still makes me chuckle a little bit. On this particular Facebook page, there's a lot of dumb shit going on here. Now, some of this stuff, and I want to just bring you a little bit of it. Some of the stuff, serious questions, serious answers even. Maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong. Maybe they're leading that person towards a solution. Maybe they're not, okay? But what this does is it illustrates how important you are because these people are reaching out for information and really they're grasping at fucking straws, especially on Facebook. I mean, what what kind of information really are you going to get on Facebook? And there's other sites too where you can go and and post uh, concerns you have with a car and, and uh, you know, any form of real jackass, including your Uncle Jimmy, could chime in and give them some sort of uh, advice as to what to do. And I, and I like I said, I, I refrain from doing that because I do this on a professional basis, much like you do. And I don't believe that there's certain there's certain people out there, and I've I've met them, I've talked to them, I've seen them, and some of them I even like. But there's a lot of people out there who should put the tools down, step away from the toolbox, step away from the car, exit the garage, and never go back in there to fucking turn a nut or a bolt or a screw on their own fucking ride. They should stop fucking trying to do that. Because there, we we know we all know people like this. They, they have absolutely not even one speck of mechanical prowess to them. They have no mechanical aptitude. They have no uh, what do you want to call it? Manual dexterity. And they don't have any mechanical sense. Physics are a, are foreign to them. They have no idea about you know hydraulics and pressures and 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 everything else that goes along. I mean you know everything else that goes along with having an automobile work properly. It really is an automobile is really pretty much an awesome physics experiment. There's so many different things going on there. You know with electricity with uh, hydraulics, whether it's an automatic transmission or a power steering system or even a braking system, of course. Uh, and then there's the mechanics of internal combustion or nowadays even the mechanics of a, an electric motor. You have to kind of know how those work, right? So I scrolled through here and I just found a whole bunch of dumb shit and I kind of wanted to bring it to you just to give you an idea uh, of what you're going to see if you decide to go to a site like this. And like I said, I don't recommend it. Uh, I don't recommend it for me. I'm a little bit of a clown. Wait a minute. Let me just change that and make that correct. I'm a really big fucking clown, and I'm not likely to take this shit very seriously. And if I tell somebody something in jest, uh, they might not get it. Okay. And here's one. Here, uh, here's a lady who drives a Toyota. Uh, it. She. I don't know if she spelled the name of it wrong or if she has like an odd European version. I'm not even going to say it because I don't know how you would say it. But she says, this morning for a second, it came up on the dash saying low oil pressure. And then, and that was in parentheses as if the car was talking to her. And she says it has, hasn't done it again. And then her question is, do you think it was nothing? Uh, I don't think it was nothing. Actually, actually, let me just rephrase that. Okay. Actually, it was nothing. You had no oil. You have no oil pressure. The switch is typically, however, uh, in a lot of cases, right at the end of the oil circuit. Not always, but but usually. And if you have no oil pressure there, then eh, it's leaking out of somewhere. If you got a lot of miles on a car and the bearings are a little sloppy, you might not have any oil pressure left over by the time you get to the end. What kind of an answer is that for a person like this lady? Well, it's not a real good one because it doesn't offer any kind of solution. It doesn't offer her an explanation as to why her low oil pressure light came on. And it doesn't also offer any kind of a, 
any kind of a solution if it comes on again or if it comes on and stays on. And of course, being very, very helpful, someone answered in here and wrote, did you check the oil level? Now, here's the thing, okay? We're mechanics. It's, it's just us, right? If you have a car and it said low oil pressure, even just one fucking time, wouldn't you check the oil? I mean, there's got to be some way to check the oil. I mean, even the cars I work on let you check the oil level electronically. It kind of sucks, but uh, they've done away with dipsticks. I think a lot of a lot of manufacturers. I think a lot of manufacturers would like to do away with a dipstick, but it's just something that, that that cars should have, as far as I'm concerned. Some cars don't. Did you check the oil level? Sounds too simple. And then, of course, there was a reply from this. No, she writes back. No, I'll do it in the morning. I booked it in for a service today for Monday. It's not due for another 800 miles, but not taking any chances. Okay, so she's going to take it to somebody. So there's pretty there's somebody who asked the question, didn't like the answer she got, didn't do what they said they that she should do, and instead took it to a mechanic. Okay, so that's that's a person who's a little sharper than most here. Oh, here's one and 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 I this is this is one that I would never answer. I would never answer. Someone has posted a video, and here's what it says. Would anyone be able to tell me what this squeaking noise is coming from my front left wheel by this video? Oh, wait a second. Hold the phone. She's she's holding her camera outside her car so that she can hear the squeak, but she's showing a picture of her breasts in the rearview mirror. And they don't look too bad. She looks like Cruella DeVille. From uh, 101 Dalmatians, it looks like she's wearing a, a top that was made out of a Dalmatian, but uh, it's not not too bad upstairs. As far as the squeak goes, yeah, I'm not fucking, I'm not falling for that fucking shit. She's had no answers, by the way. When did that one get posted? Yeah, six days ago. Good luck with that one, honey. How much do we hate squeaks and rattles? Yeah, a fucking lot. Okay, uh, I. <laughs> I could tell you that you could, I mean, and this is, this is God's honest truth. You could strap a hundred dollar bill to an RO. If it's nothing but squeaks and rattles, it's going to sit in the fucking to-do bin at our fucking place. I don't know about your place. It, they just suck dick, you know, because there's some people, they seem to hear every single motherfucking noise ever made by anything ever. And it's coming from their car and they want you to make it go away when all they have to do is really stop fucking listening for it or maybe turn up the radio a little bit because cars are not fucking silent, boys and girls. We know that. We know that. You know, you got three, four, five, and up to 7,000 pounds of fucking steel and plastic and rubber fucking cruising down the fucking road. And it's not going to be fucking silent. Knock it off with the squeaks and the fucking rattles. It makes our life hell. Stop with that shit. Knock it off. Uh, certainly don't post a fucking video of it on fucking YouTube. You're going to get zero responses to that shit. Nobody wants to fuck with squeaks and rattles, okay? Sorry. Uh, here's another one. Guys looking to buy either a BMW X5 or an Audi SQ5 at the end of the year. Uh, he must be overseas. He's got some other thing going on here he asked about. He says he has a family of five, three kids. Oh, that, that includes himself. I don't know how many people include themselves in a family of five, but uh, there you go. Uh, I want a nice family motor with space, but without getting my soul, without selling my soul and getting an MPV Uh it says see more. I've I've seen enough. Hey, if you're considering an X5 uh, or an Audi SQ5, those are your choices. Uh, try to get them as cheaply as you can because you're probably going to have to spend some money making them go, making them work right. Uh, the the X5, I can tell you from experience, 
uh, when they go, when something goes wrong in them, it's a couple of fucking mortgage payments. It's not cheap. And as far as the Audi goes, I believe the same thing goes on with that. Uh, an SQ5, I've, I'm always kind of shied away from any kind of a vehicle that had a Q in its title. And Audi has a lot of those, so I stay, I stay away from those. And I've been roasted in the past for saying I don't like Audis. I really, I really don't. I like the Audi boys. The guys who work on them, they're pretty cool. We have some in our building right now because they're uh, revamping their place across the street. And uh, the the guys are cool, but the cars, uh, I don't know. I I look at some of the stuff they did, and it's it's head-scratching. That's all I can say. Uh, Here's what somebody answered, and I don't know. (laughs) This is a good good answer, really, and uh, kind of of along the lines of what I I gave you. But uh, here's what it says here. This is all it says, too. This is one, it's two sentences, really, and there's punctuation in there, which I love. Shitty cars, both of them, period. <laughs> okay, so that, you know, as a statement, shitty cars, both of them, yeah. I, I, I have a tendency to agree, especially if you're going to pick them up used and maybe real used. I, and then he goes on to say, I know, I fixed them for a living, and I hate fixing them. <laughs> so this guy is like, you know, they, they suck, and I know how they suck because I have to fix them and I hate fixing them. Uh, and, oh, and there's another reply here. Let's just see what else. <laughs> this is uh, this is oh, this is a, this is a reply from the author. This gets better and better as we go on here. The author says, "Why are they shitty?" With a question mark. What would you recommend as a family four by four for sixteen k? Well, uh, you know what. Uh, I don't have I don't have an answer for that. There's no reply yet from the individual who replied that, that those two choices were shitty. I try to find one for ten grand and then plow uh, three grand into them. Keep three grand for the future repairs you're going to have to do. Uh, but that's just me. Uh, here we go. Here's another one. And, and, it, and like I said, I'm just trying to give you an idea of how important what you do is because people are out there trying to wiggle their way around going to you. I've seen a couple of these where it says, I don't want to get ripped off by my mechanic. Yeah, that's really not a great attitude to have if you're going to come in and talk to me. Oh, uh, I don't want you to rip me off. You go, well, then get the fuck out. I mean, because honestly, uh, and, and this is something I've never really touched on too much here, is what is what is being ripped off by a mechanic? What is What does that involve? What does that entail? Okay, you bring your car to me. Okay, you have endeavored, and and I've tried to point this out to some of my service advisors and even my service manager, but they, you know, they they don't, they just turn a deaf ear to anything I say. So uh, after a while, you get used to it, and and you just like whatever, you know. Really, that's what it is. That's what it comes down. It's a big game of whatever. Who's got the bigger whatever? You know, uh, you know, somebody says something to you, and you're like, okay, whatever. But when we're talking about getting ripped off by a mechanic, what? It really are you fucking talking about okay now are you talking about a mechanic who steals shit out of your car well okay i don't know a lot of mechanics who do that I, there's no car that i've ever worked on and i've probably worked on and i don't think that this is hyperbole i think that this is probably close i've probably worked on ten thousand cars and maybe maybe even a few more okay i don't think that that's that's unfair okay ten thousand cars obviously some of them more than once which I would count as, you know, if I get one car and I've worked on it 10 times, I'm going to count it 10 times because it left and it came back and, and there's another one, you know. So uh, I would say probably somewhere between ten and 15,000 cars. And there has never, and I really mean this literally, never, not ever once been anything in any one of my customers' cars that I coveted so much so to the point where I thought I should just fucking take it. 
and then tell him we either lost it or broke it or threw it away or he never had it or whatever. Now, we, <laughs> I documented this a little while back. We'll fuck with their stuff. We don't have any problem at all fucking with people's stuff. People, shit they leave in their car. Uh, hockey sticks is one of my favorites because we have these little shipping spacers that come in the cars when they're brand new because they have to go on a boat and come across the Atlantic. And uh, they typically travel on the top of the Atlantic and not the bottom of it, but uh, typically. Uh, but the shipping spacers look a lot like hockey pucks. And let me tell you what, you get a hockey stick and a couple of these shipping spacers, and you've got a shootout, the OK Corral, with fucking uh, Dominic Hasek in the fucking crease. I'm telling you, it's a lot of fucking fun. Um, it just doesn't happen very much down in Texas. You're not going to find hockey sticks in the trunk of a car in Austin, Texas, okay, which is where I'm at. But you do find a lot of footballs and sometimes basketballs. And uh, actually, I had one last week, and this was this was kind of hilarious, actually. Uh, this gentleman had a car, and he wanted just a quickie oil change. And while I was looking it over, I noticed that he had a radiator hose that was basically just pouring coolant out of it saying uh, we did not have the hose so uh, we told him say listen we don't want you driving this car because you know if you're low on coolant like you are you could damage your car and so we don't want you to do that so we gave him a loaner and uh he needed to get something out of the trunk of his car or he needed to get some stuff out of his car and uh, he ended up wanting to get something out of the trunk and uh, i said to him i said you know you're all set he goes no i gotta get my balls out of the trunk and i said I whoa wait a minute what <laughs> And so he cracks a trunk open and he had it what looked like a golf ball a golf bag but it was actually a great big bowling bag he had he had like three bowling balls on a guy was like a real serious bowler um and we're not really gonna fuck with bowling balls i mean what are you gonna do with them i mean they you know they're big and they're heavy and if you throw them at something they're gonna break the fuck out of it so we don't fuck with bowling balls too much but basketballs and footballs yeah we're gonna fuck with that stuff but i i don't take that stuff i don't you know we don't I, I think it's larceny really we don't we don't steal their stuff we you know we if we fuck with something we put it right back and maybe sometimes we got to clean some greasy fingerprints off of it but for the most part uh no, and none of the other mechanics i work with are doing that either i mean we're just not going to go into somebody's car and take their shit i mean i think once or twice maybe they had gum in their car and i had a, a stick of their gum or something like that but that's that's it and i even then i i normally don't i normally absolutely would not do that on like one or two occasions oh i'm talking over the last 20 years i think i did that okay but we're how so how are we ripping people off well we're trying to sell them stuff they don't need now I know that some of you out there are kind of doing that, and I, w- I kind of wish you would kind of fucking knock it off because our our public relations image is already bad enough. And when you do shit like that, it kind of uh, reinforces the, the, the thinking and the feeling that people have about us. So uh, if, you, if you can, I mean, and I've said it before, there's enough honest-to-God work out there to be done, okay? There's enough honest work out there to be done to, to make you enough money to, to continue to live your lifestyle, to keep your kids in, in diapers and, and, and in school and whatever else, whatever else it is that you're doing with your money. Believe me when I tell you there's, there is enough work out there and there will be, and there always will be because of the shortage. There we go. There's your, there's your, your pat mission statement answer from, from from your uncle jimmy here at grease the wheels there's a shortage okay but we're gonna move on because i think really and this is this is my thinking personally so this is my opinion i think when people think we are ripping them off they just they look at what they need okay it's like say i'll give you the proverbial water pump they gotta they come into your shop all right they've they've they made an appointment. They drove into your shop. They pulled in. They say, I've got coolant leaking. They're there. Okay. They're a captive audience. 
Their car is there. Uh, you are the people who put them back together. Okay, so they're they're a captive audience. You pull it around back. You pressure test it. You see it's pouring out of the uh, out of the vent on the water pump where the shaft goes through. It's like okay, it's fucking finished. So you need one. And then they go, okay, yeah, we figured out what it is. You, you need a water pump. And here's the estimate. And this is where we lose them. This is where we lose them every fucking time because the labor at a repair shop is typically, you know, what, what, what are you writing? What are your, uh, what is your shop writing now? I think that maybe in some outlying areas where there's not a lot of people who have a lot of money, you might have a labor rate of 75, 80, 90, a hundred dollars an hour. And in some areas of the country, and I've heard of this, and this is not unheard of at all, they're writing at $350 an hour. So you can see without really thinking about it too much why people think they're getting ripped off. Quite frankly, it's because they fucking are. They really are, okay? Because here's the deal, okay? Let's say you have a a Chevy Malibu, uh, who knows, 2012 Okay, and you're in uh, Saskatchewan, you're in Canada, you're in a small town, and there's a local guy there, and he looked at your car and says you need a water pump, and he charges $75 an hour for labor, and it says in the labor time guide it pays three hours, and, and the, the local Napa has the pump, and the pump's 50 bucks, maybe 60 bucks, so let's say we'll call it 50 just to round it up, and so they get together, and they say, well, three hours, it doesn't take three hours to do it, so we'll just charge you two, holy shit, really? Yeah, and then this guy replaces your water pump, and it costs you just a little bit under a couple of hundred bucks with coolant okay great but you you take that same fucking car into a dealership in miami florida and you're not going to get out of there for a a cent less than two fucking grand because they're going to charge an hour for diag that's 350 dollars. they're going to charge you all three hours of that fucking labor time guide at 350 dollars an hour so what are you looking at 350 times four fuck it's what's that 1200 and then another 200 on top of that's $1,400 and of course their water pump's gonna be $400 so you got $1,800 right oh and then you gotta have coolant that's another 50 bucks a gallon fuck can you see why people think we're ripping them off but they always say oh my mechanic's ripping me off it's not the fucking mechanic because I can tell you right now that they're one of the guys that works at that shop would probably do your water pump for the same price as the guy in Saskatchewan if he was doing it at home for a friend. You see how this works? This is why when you read these when you read these car problems and car advice uh posts on Facebook or wherever you go if you if you look at these things ever at all and I don't recommend you do, but if you ever go and look at some of these fucking things that's why they feel like they're getting ripped off because their friend will come up to them who has a great big snap on toolbox and is an ASC master tech and maybe a Chevrolet master tech. And, and he's got all kinds of, of skills and credentials and, and you, you know him pretty well and you have beers with him and you tell him, Hey, I got to have a water pump on my Malibu. He says, he says, stop over with a 12 pack of fucking, of, of fucking Modellos and we'll fucking tear it up. And well, what am I going to owe you? You're going to owe me a 12 pack, buddy. It doesn't take shit to change that fucking thing. So the next time they hear somebody say, "Oh yeah, I had to change the water pump. My car cost me eighteen hundred dollars." I'm like, "You got to drink, but you got to drink beer with my buddy. <laughs> He'll fucking tighten you up." And that's where all that's where a lot of that shit comes from. That's where a lot of that shit comes from. And I don't recommend. I don't really recommend that any of you out there give your services away. I do. That is not what I'm saying at all. And and one of the original reasons 
for putting this whole podcast together was to try to get you technicians geared up to do stuff on the side for yourself where you keep all of the money. Because I don't know any technician out there in the world. I mean, maybe a, a fucking amazingly skilled Ferrari technician who takes care of a fleet of Ferraris for somebody who's just so uber rich, he doesn't give a shit. But I don't know anybody who's personally charging anybody $350 an hour. But a dealership in Florida doesn't have any fucking qualms whatsoever about doing that. Not at all. And they probably have to have a two two week wait period to get into their fucking place. It's kind of ridiculous. And that's what we have to that's what we have to put up with. Here's what here's some other stuff here from this site. I wanted to just kind of put this out there. And 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 as I'm reading this, okay, and, and because Facebook is really it's it's national, it's it's worldwide. It's really worldwide. Some of the cars that they're talking about are not cars that we even have in the US. So uh guy just asked a very simple question here. OEM versus aftermarket fuel pump for a Nissan Sentra 2010 with 170,000 miles. Uh, some of the answers came back, go OEM. The one you're taking out is probably OEM, and it lasted a buck seventy. Another guy writes, buy cheap, buy twice, either OEM or OE. OE is OEM. Uh, that's uh, the same thing pretty much here. Yeah, you know what? If you can if you can afford it, if, it's, if it fits into your budget, you should probably always buy OEM parts. But I can tell you right now, for the brand manufacturer that I work for, <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, my God. The fucking money they want for some of their fucking parts, I find it stunning. I would, and I think to myself, fuck that. I'm never, I would never pay that much for that. Never. Uh, I'm trying to find a couple of good ones here. I have a 2015 Ford Explorer 3.7, 198,000 miles. I think it's a blown head gasket or bad water pump because the coolant is gone after like 20 minutes, but the car starts up fine. Probably after like a couple of minutes, it's like revving high RPMs out of nowhere, then shuts off. Could one of these be the problem? Well, here's what some of the answers are. You could probably formulate some answers. in, And this is from a little, well, it's not too far back anyway, a couple days, maybe maybe about 10 days or so, five, eight days here. Uh, do you have any idea where your coolant is gone? Yeah, because it's, you know, a coolant obviously has mass to it. It's not going to just disappear into thin air. Although you could boil it and it would actually disappear in a thin air. Is your exhaust uh, white smoke or is your engine oil really high and milky? Pretty good questions, really. Uh, here's a guy who seems like he's uh, either had this problem before. Oh, uh, and the author writes back, sorry, I forgot to mention, it's in the oil. Well, that rules out the water pump because the water pump typically doesn't uh, pump oil. It just pumps water. It doesn't really have much to do with the oil. Uh, another... <laughs> He says, sorry, forgot to mention it's in the oil. And then the guy writes back the original uh, poster. Ouch. Well, that could be a few things. Rusted out frost slash casting plugs in a block. No, it can't be that. Okay. So we're dealing with somebody who really doesn't have it together. This happened to my tractor. Uh, your, your frost or your casting plugs, and uh, we call them freeze plugs. If they go out, your coolant's just going to go on the ground. Okay. They don't have those, uh, those casting plugs on the inside of your block, at least not that I'm aware of. Maybe in your engine they do. So, uh, and that's the thing that your uncle Jimmy does. He never he never insists that he's right. He says, "Well, that's really uh, not what I thought was going to happen." But uh, I like to make sure that I'm not wrong. At least this happened to my tractor and a Ford. We had uh, head gasket or cracked block. Sure, the block could be cracked. 
and that wouldn't really surprise me. We are talking about a Ford here after all. Head gasket is most likely a pressure test on a system. Could definitely help you find the problem. Most likely a mechanic, thank you very much, will systematically pull it apart to find the problem. Head gasket would be the first culprit, I think. Fill the radiator and run the engine. Check for leaks in the engine bay. If none is observed, you most likely have a head gasket leak. Should probably see some white smoke coming out of the exhaust. Uh, here's another guy. Answer, uh, and this is the thing I, I enjoy about uh, these sorts of things and forums especially is that you're going to get people who are going to answer these questions because it happened to them. And it probably is the same thing that happened to them. And they're not in any way mechanics whatsoever. And uh, this prompts a, a story of, of mine from the, from the past. Uh, for the brand I was working for, we had a gentleman who had one of our cars, and it was kind of a, he used it as a race car. He liked to, to take it out into the track and do some club racing with it. And he had just bought this particular vehicle. It was kind of newish, but this was several years ago. And uh, when he brought it in for his first service, I, I had mentioned that I had just gone to school for that particular car and that I had a really, really thick textbook that they gave me on that cars. And when I say thick, I mean like phone book like. And if you don't know what a phone book looks like, sorry, welcome to the 21st century. You probably haven't printed them since the 90s. Uh, it was thick, about two inches thick. And it in really in excruciating detail described everything that was going on with the car. And it was intended for a technician such as myself. This particular gentleman had, had I told him that I had quite the textbook for the car and he asked if he could see it and he, he took one look at it and he's thumbing through it a little bit while I was working on his car and because he was a pretty good customer and he was pretty cool to boot so it was not that big of a deal to have him back in the shop and talking to him and that sort of thing and he asked me at one point he says hey uh how could I get one of these books I said well I have to go to school in a couple two three weeks and that's where they are I'll see if I can get you one and so I went and I asked the instructor if I could have another one because I lost mine or something. I gave him some bullshit because they really weren't intended to be handed out to customers. Uh, but I got one and I came back to the to the dealership and I gave it to this gentleman the next time I saw him. And then the next time after that that I saw him, he was laughing. And I said, well, what are you laughing at? And he goes, remember that you know textbook you gave me? And I said, yeah, I remember that. He goes, well, he goes, what I found out is that everyone on the forums is wrong. <laughs> and I said, well, I already knew that that you know he goes some of those people don't know what the fuck they're talking about and i said well that's no surprise he goes yeah he goes but it is to it was to him anyway uh because he said well he says you know some guy would go oh how does this work and then some guy would chime in oh it works like this and then he'd go to the book and he'd look it up and he'd go yeah no that ain't how it works at all and so uh and i've, I've seen him quite a few times since then he's pretty cool and he doesn't even have that car anymore but uh, he did know a lot more about his car because of that book. And he also knew that a whole bunch of other people out there didn't know jack fucking shit about it. It was kind of ridiculous. So uh, beware uh, if you're a non-automotive technician listening to this podcast, and I don't really suggest it for you because it's full of swearing. It's full of obscene language. You know what I'm fucking talking about? Yeah, you're going to want to be careful where you get your information from. That's that's one of the reasons why I believe that as a mechanic, you're you're actually extremely important because there's this fucking group on Facebook, and this is one of many. This one is 16,000 members who are out there looking for answers to questions and getting the answers from people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Okay, some of the stuff, obviously some of the stuff is good and some of the stuff is right, but do you want to guess? Do you want to 
you want to try to guess whether somebody's telling you some shit that's right or shit that's not right? I mean, literally, these could be people who should probably be locked up in insane asylums, pumping out answers to questions they have no idea what they're talking about. And you take it as gospel. You could get, you could get, you know, you could seriously wreck your car if you're really not actually talking to an honest to God mechanic or somebody who really knows what the fuck they're talking about. And I think that that helps to make you and me and what we do and where we do it, by the way, more important, much more important. Here's one. Uh, and, and I'm just going to read this one. I didn't even read it in advance here. It says, my car has a big problem and needs a head gasket. Yes, it is a big problem. Head gasket job is uh, typically not too freaking easy. And uh, when I say not too freaking easy, I mean, it's really fucking expensive. That's what I really mean to say. I can't afford one. So mechanic recommended blue devil pour and go. Here's a little advice from your uncle Jimmy. Anytime a product has the word devil or Diablo, which is Spanish for devil, in its description or its title. You want to fucking steer clear because the devil's not good. And Diablo is even worse, really, because it just sounds more evil than the devil. Um, Blue devil pour and go. Never heard of it. Don't want to hear of it. If I see it on a shelf, I'll probably just laugh. And am I going to put it in my car? Fuck no. I have a real serious uh, policy against putting fucking snake oils in my car, typically do not do that. If it needs antifreeze, I put antifreeze in it. Do I put stop leak in there? No. I fix whatever it is that's leaking. Uh, do I want to put fucking STP or some other kind of oil treatment on my oil? No. My oil is just fine the way it is. I'm using a synthetic 530, properly rated for General Motors for my truck. It's a GM truck, by the way. Um, I'm going to use the right shit. I'm not going to fuck around putting any of these fucking garbage. You know, I'm not going to put fucking leak seal in my radiator. I'm not going to put lubrication improvers or I'm not, not even really a fan of water wetter, which is like a racing thing that they do. Uh, to keep the coolant, I don't know. I don't even know exactly what it does. I know a lot of a lot of racers like to use it to help keep their cars cooler. They tell me it works, so I'll have to believe them. I'm not going to use it anyway. This guy, this this, it's a lady. I think her name is Jana. I put it in yesterday and still leaking water. I go three miles, pull over, add a gallon of water. Does this stuff work instantly, or should I expect to see better results? What's funny is is that there are two emojis. Uh, there's there's two emoji responses, which are just basically the laughing emoji. And there's 39 comments. Let's just, just cruise through some of these so you can get an idea of how important you really are out there. Uh, here's the first answer. You really need another mechanic. That blue devil is the worst stuff you can put in your car. Thank you very much. It may plug up a leak or a head gasket issue, but it's going to solidify in your cooling system in places you don't want it to, like plugging up the heater core possibly the thermostat and other small coolant passages. And there's 12 replies to this. Of course, somebody else says, I used it for two years, but coil spring snapped, so scrapped for different reason. Okay, so somebody had some good luck with it. They may have had a much smaller leak than this woman appears to have had. And then somebody answers him, you shouldn't You shouldn't just went to the junkyard and found one. Uh, I think he's talking about the snapped coil spring. And that's how a lot of these a lot of these posts and the answers to these posts they go off the rails like literally almost immediately uh, this guy's saying well you know if your coil spring snapped you should have just gone in the junkyard and found another one he doesn't even know what kind of car he's talking about here uh and then another guy writes i found a motor for 600 but it costs 1500 to put it in where'd you get the engine junkyard 
Uh, I have not bought the $600 engine. I do not have $1,500 to install it. Yes, it's at a junkyard. Note the word junk in its description. Uh, here's another one. To be honest, I'd recommend studying about the engine itself, etc. It has a lot of parts. Oh, that's brilliant. A keen eye to retail, and I think he meant detail, is important. Also, spell checking is important. <laughs> it's also important to know which parts of the engine need to be replaced. Yes, I agree. If I were you and you absolutely have nothing better to do and have a backup car by chance, I would take the engine myself and completely take it apart. Yes, honestly, by all means, go ahead and do that because I love buying cars that have been turned back into kits. I love that. Uh, I picked up one not too long ago, uh, and this is a funny little story, and Eric's going to probably chuckle when he hears me start this story out because he was with me on this particular adventure. I went and looked at a car from the brand that I work for, and the car was stuffed in the back of a garage and was covered with dirt and dust and looked like it had been there for probably a good three, four years and really probably should have been scrapped. But it had... You know, it had some unique features about it, and there was there was just a, a certain kind of a an aura about it, and it it I don't want to say it spoke to me. It definitely didn't speak to me, but I I had like a little twinge of like, okay, I can fucking take this and put it back together again. So I gave the guy, and I gave the guy almost nothing for it. I think I gave him like a thousand bucks for it, and I came back with a tow dolly and dragged it home one night, and then I started taking it apart, and then I ended up fixing it, and it, it required a great deal of labor to fix it up. But once I got it fixed up, this thing was pretty fucking sweet. I mean, it was, like I said, it was filthy, disgusting, dirty, rusty, crappy, greasy, shitty. And I cleaned it all up. I mean, because that's what I do. I cleaned it all up and I got it working again. And I cleaned the interior out and it wasn't it wasn't really too bad as a car. And I put it all back together again. I had to replace it. This was uh, one of those deals where uh, a timing chain had actually snapped I think what had happened was there was a big storm. I got the car in Buffalo, New York. There had been a big storm a couple of years before this. And I think the car had gotten stuck in a snowbank on that during that storm because uh, what I think happened was that the owner was revving the shit out of it. It was a six-speed trying to get it unstuck. And the only thing he got unstuck was the timing chain. The timing chain came apart and he was working the engine at such an RPM that he actually bent every single valve in the engine, and some of them twice. Some of them were bent in two separate angles. I mean, he really went to town on this fucking thing. This guy was this guy was probably revving the engine to about five, maybe six grand, and it just let go, and it broke the shit out of it. And I was actually looking for an engine and had great difficulty finding one that was complete because for some reason when people take this particular engine out of those cars they have to pull them all apart and then they try to sell them and and i don't want to buy another kit to fix the kit i've already got so i actually ended up repairing the engine that i have i ended up buying uh 24 valves because four valves per cylinder and it was a six cylinder so but i got it all put back together again ran pretty good and uh in fact it ran real nice i had to put turbos on it you know the the usual i had to do all the usual stuff which is almost literally everything. Um, and, and it ran really, really well. And uh, drove around a little bit, had a couple other problems with it, had a lot of miles on it. Sold to my brother. He's out killing it right now. Uh, every time it dies on him, he has to call me. I'm, you know, a good 17, 1800 miles away. So he can't drop it off at my house. <laughs> but uh, 
But that that just to, to let you know, I'm a professional auto auto mechanic, and I almost begged off in this whole project. I questioned my sanity buying it. I questioned my sanity putting it back together again, and it turned out all right. But I can tell you right now that if you took a thousand mechanics, nine hundred and ninety nine of them would have never put that car together. It was a bad idea, really. It just worked out well. But it was an accident that it worked out as well as it did. And so for somebody, to, and this is what this guy's suggesting that this woman do, that she go and she learn how to fix her car, get a book, uh, have a keen eye for retail or detail, whichever you prefer, and then learn to know the parts of the engine that need to be replaced. And then if you, and, and the last part, this is crazy. If I were you and had absolutely nothing better to do, who Whoever says that, I think no matter what the fuck is wrong with your car, really, I can think of a lot of things that are better to do. If I don't fix cars because I have nothing better to do. I fix cars for a living. So, and I like working on them at home too, but it's kind of nuts. Like it's kind of nuts to even say something like that. And then he writes back again. Okay. Cause apparently he wasn't done. Uh, you could save so much money. No, you can't. Have you ever rebuilt an engine? Obviously not. Because it costs a fucking shit house of money. I can tell you right now that the 24 valves that I had to buy for that particular engine cost me about $900. That's for 24 valves. That's not a cylinder head. That's not a block with pistons in it. That's $900 for valves. I had to reuse the springs and the keepers. And I had to buy seals. I didn't get seals with them. I had to buy some valve seals. Actually, I had some. But I had to put valve seals on them. I had to reassemble the whole thing. I had to head milled so that I knew that it was flat and straight and all good. I obviously had to buy a timing chain. So there was a lot of money spent on that car. I mean, it wasn't like I made a million dollars on it. I probably broke even when I sold sold it. So do I suggest that people do that? Go get a book and figure out. And and, and that was, <laughs> that reminds me, I almost forgot about this part too. Eric's going, wait, 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 wait. The guy I bought the car from had stated to me that he was a philosophy major at a local college. He was a graduate. I think he might have said he had a master's degree in it, in philosophy. And he said, and I, he said this out loud to me. He said, well, I'm a philosophy major. I'm, I, was, I'm, I was sure I could figure it out. And he had bought the Bentley manual, and he thought, oh, I'll just figure it out. And I could see where he changed some cam sensors. But cam sensors are never going to fix a broken timing chain. And I mean broken i mean not not like sloppy loose or fell off broken right in fucking half uh yeah this guy was not he was not going to be able to fix this car i'm sorry if it it was if his life was at stake and he was going to earn a million dollars he would not have been able to fix that car no fucking way and that's what really needs to be said to some of these people when they respond. Oh, you know, I, I, I have a blown head gasket and I want to put this blue devil shit in there, this fucking Satan's jizz or whatever it is, and I want to have that fix it. And then the, and the guy's trying to tell him, oh, all you have to do is get a book and have some patience and nothing better to do, and you can rebuild the engine. No, you fucking can't. Because if you're on Facebook looking for advice, I can already tell you that you're, you're not going to be able to get it done. And and the killer part is, it looks like, honestly, it looks like about two dozen people responded to this particular post. Two dozen, oh, wait a minute, here it is, 39 comments. Uh, a lot of them were from the same person. But there's a lot of fucking experts out there. Uh, here's, somebody wrote, and this is a woman, 
I would hope it's a woman. Her name's Ruby. My head gasket's just gone. Just scrapped the car because it wasn't even worth it. Now, there's somebody who's got a good a good head on her shoulders. I don't know what kind of car she's talking about, but a lot of times that the head gaskets blow, you need to replace the fucking engine because it warps something. You got water in the oil and, and water and oil don't mix. And so when it pumps water into your cool or to your oiling system, that it doesn't like that. If you got a lot of miles on it and you've blown the head gasket and it needs tires and the brakes are almost shot and the windshield's broken, just fucking send it on its way. There's factories all over the world kicking out new ones. Go get one of them. Uh, yeah, there were a lot of answers to this particular one. So let me move on from there, okay? Uh, here's another one. Just purchased a 2007 Audi Q7. There it is again, Q7. Is it possible to update the sat-nav, please? If so, how? Thank you. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that one. Uh, when you have something that was built in the, in the aughts, 2000, 2000 to 2010, and you want to update the nav, I, I think, honestly, you should just forget about it and use your phone for navigation. Because some of those systems, because we had some of those systems in the brand that I work at, and they involved disks. You had to have the right one, and they had to be updated, and they actually stopped updating them about 10 years ago. So, And in parts of the city that I'm in now were not built in 2010. And so if you tried to find three quarters of the fucking shit in this town I'm in right now on a 2010 nav disc, not going to fucking find it. It's going to show that area as a field. There's nothing there. Not yet anyway. As far as uh, wanting to update the sat nav in your 2007 Audi, good luck. Uh, here, we here. let's, uh, hello, does anybody know why my radiator fan won't turn on? Yeah, it's fucking probably shot. Changed pretty much everything for the cooling system. Fuse isn't blown changed every coolant sensor thermostat radiator radiator fan i don't know with it is could it be the ecu it's a 98 civic uh some answers 42 of them got it fixed thanks y'all so uh, so apparently this particular uh person malachi got some answers don't know where they even are in the world because some of the answers are in it looks like it might be hebrew i don't know most probably it is the control module radiator fan switch um, older cars like the 98 don't have their radiator fans turn on unless it exceeds a certain temp. Uh, sure, that sounds about right. The relay, either your engine hasn't heated up enough. Change your relay always first. Uh, spelled it all wrong. Every word that sentence was spelled wrong. It only turns on when it needs to. Just hotwire it to the ignition on. Like a lot of us do that. Possibly blown fan switch. Who dumped all that peptide? Well, there's, a, there's a picture of the car getting washed and it has that pink soap on it. And somebody wrote, who dumped all that Pepto-Bismol on your car? See, so there's some people out there who have a sense of humor, uh, unlike your Uncle Jimmy. Oh, <laughs> uh, did you check the relay? Did you check the relay? Uh, apparently, relays are popular answers to questions like that one. All right, here's one. Here's one from a gentleman, and he's obviously overseas. What's the most common reason for a heavy steering wheel? Um, that would be gravity. And how do you make it smooth? You make it smooth. Make it smooth by hiring Barry White. Uh, I don't know how you make them smooth. You could attach it to the car and it might not be so heavy, then sand it down. Uh, oh, 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 oh. Here's one. This woman's name is Natalie. Natalie. I have a 2014 Ford Focus SCN. Desperate need of some help slash advice. First pick is everything that is going on. Number four doesn't happen often anymore but still does occasionally so she's got a list of seven things here and uh it's funny because she writes 
like she's left-handed, you can always kind of tell because the the the, uh, the words are slanted the wrong way. And it's this list. It's funny. It's a little pencil written list on a piece of paper, and it just looks so uh, 1970s. What's wrong with my car? Number one, ABS sensor stays on, especially if I hit a bump. Speedometer stays at zeros, especially if I hit a bump. Uh, number three, accelerating, spelled all kinds of wrong, jerks or hesitates. Well, which is it, honey? Does it jerk or does it hesitate? Because one's, one's one thing and one's another thing. Number four, check engine light would go on and off, but it's now staying on and flashing. And I think a lot of us know what that is. Number five, before number four, my brake pedal would fail. Would Oh, let me try this again, okay, because I'm not reading it right. Before number four, my brake pedal would fall from my feet, but three places said the brakes are fine. Number six, my car shakes between 55 and 65 miles an hour. Number seven, my car started making a weird noise when I crank it. Uh, I don't know what the life expectancy is on a 2014 Ford Focus, but I'm thinking this car pretty close to pretty close to see it pretty close to the end. As a professional mechanic, I think we all know what's going on here. ABS sensor stays on and the speedo stays at zero. Yeah, that's a wheel speed sensor. You just got to figure out which one and replace it probably. Acceleration, jerks or hesitates. Well, see, if your check engine light goes on and off and then stays on and flashes, that means you have a misfire. And when it's flashing, that means that misfire is doing it right fucking now. And so your acceleration is going to jerk and or slash hesitate. Okay, so you got that. You could straighten that out probably with some coils and plugs. But, you know, here I am. I'm shooting from the hip, right? That's Because that's what we're going to do, right? Number five, before number four, my brake pedal would fall from my feet. But three places said, three places. She took it to three places, and they said her brakes are fine. Now, I'm, I'm wondering, did she take her car to three places and say, there's something wrong with my brakes and not say anything about any of the other shit? I don't know. My car shakes between 55 and 65 um, anybody from the north can tell you that that's probably a bent wheel. Uh, lots of times, if you have a bent wheel, you'll get a vibration that starts about 40, 45, 50. If it's not bent real bad, it might wait till 55. But then it actually, the harmonics of it balances itself out and goes away 70, 75, 80 miles an hour. It's kind of weird. So, and then I diagnosed a, a fucking gazillion cars with that problem. And then number seven, my car started making a weird noise when I crank it. That's probably from some connecting rods that are about to fucking vacate the premises. Uh, yeah, uh, I hope you're not making payments on this car. Oh, she she posted a video. How fucking wonderful. And here's the answers. And this is, this is I just want to read this one answer. Because like I said earlier, you need to understand how important you are. You need to understand how special and essential and, and good and appreciated, by me at least, that you are. Okay, because here's what someone wrote here as an answer to those seven problems that I just pointed out to you. Something might be wrong electrically causing most of the issues on your dashboard. The shaking and bad brakes might be a suspension issue. That's it. That's the end of the statement. You know, you could have wrote nothing. You could have wrote zero and you would have said more than what you actually did say with that particular statement. And what that does is, and, and, and I, I find myself doing this too. Okay. And then I want to, I want to kind of call myself on the, on the mat, out in the mat a little bit on this particular one. Sometimes when I don't have an answer, I make shit up. I shouldn't do that. Sometimes I try to bullshit people sometimes, just sometimes, not all the time, 
This is something that you might say if you're just trying to bullshit somebody into thinking that you know what you're talking about when you really, what you've said is nothing, nothing substantial, nothing viable, nothing worth a fuck. That's what, that's what that person said. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to just continue to go through this and have 16,000 members of this car problems and car advice uh, group on Facebook uh, track me down and beat the shit out of me because I called them stupid. I'm not, I'm not going to say it's stupid. I honestly believe that if you reach out and you try to find information on something, that some problem that you're having, even if it's with your toaster or your refrigerator, you know, whatever else you have in your life, including your car or maybe a bike or a boat or whatever you have, if you reach out for information, then you're ahead of the game already. But you need to, I think you need to be a little smarter about where you're looking for information. Because I think when you go to Facebook, you are really scraping the bottom of the fucking barrel. And that's why you really need a mechanic in your life or a shop that you can trust, or at least a place you can go where they're going to tell you what you need to do, whether or not you can do it. Eh, they might not know that. I'll tell you a, a real a real little story real quick here. In my apartment, I have a washer and a dryer, and I got used to this, and I shouldn't have, but I got used to this. When I put stuff in the dryer, towards the end of the spin cycle, the thing would jump up and down like it was having a grand mal epileptic seizure, it, and it would it would shake the fucking piss out of the house. I mean, it was bad. So I just Googled it. I'm like, okay, what, what's going on here? And I found a video, and in the video they showed that the fucking that the the drum that spins has four shocks on it, and it told me in the video, it was like a three minute video, is all. It told me number one how to tell if the if the shocks because it has you know they're not like car shocks obviously, but they're these little these little tubes with springs on them and shit. And it told me how to tell if they're shot, and then it showed me how to replace them. And it was literally a three maybe four minute video. And I'm like, sweet. So I went over to my my dryer and I pressed down on the center portion of it. And sure enough, the fucking shocks are shot. So I go online and I order them up off of Amazon. They come in and I shred the fucking dryer. I pull it out. I take it apart. They even told me how to take it apart correctly. I put these shocks in. Stop fucking doing it. So the, so the moral of that story is always seek information. Just kind of be careful where you get your information from. And also to try to get accurate information. This video was perfect. I think the guy had the same dryer I had. And actually, it's not my dryer. It's my landlord's dryer. But, you know, I have the kind of relationship with my landlord that if I'm having a problem with something and I can fix it, I'm just going to fucking do that. Because he's not as handy as I am. And if I have him try to fix it, I might be waiting a long fucking time. And it might not get fixed right. So, and I want to give him credit for trying, but uh, sometimes his efforts, his efforts are not as successful as they would be if I just did it myself. So I go ahead and do it myself. And, and as a result, really, we get along extremely well. Also too, I pay him the rent on time every month. I think he loves that. I think any landlord would love that. So uh, I wanted to just kind of dive into another part. I wanted to kind of take a little left turn here. And instead of going out and seeking out worst car tips in the world or the worst car advice ever uh went right to a site it's reader's digest right these people have been doing this for a long time uh, i'm gonna plagiarize this somewhat there were uh 13 and it, you know that drives me crazy 13 worst car tips mechanics have ever heard and i want to just go through these uh real quickly just to kind of put a little bit of uh, a spring into your step when you realize that some some people need to be told some of this stuff okay L- let me just reiterate this one more time okay i appreciate what you all do i understand there's 
a million fucking things out there on this planet uh, within a mile of me or five miles or 500 or 5,000 or even uh, halfway across the planet. There's all kinds of mechanical shit out there that is supposed to do this, that, and the other thing. And that shit's going to break. It's all going to break. Everything's going to break. That's Uncle Jimmy's rule. Cars break. Everything else breaks too, by the way. Rule number two, can't do nothing about rule number one. You got to have fucking people like you and me. But if you continue to treat us like shit and tell us that we're ripping you off every time you get the fucking bill when we're not even getting a fucking tenth of that money. If you continue to do that, we're going to continue to not fucking do it. We're going to stop doing it. We're going to tell other people not to do it. And we're not going to have anybody to do it at all. At some point in time in the future, I can see that there are shops that are going to have to close up, not because they don't have enough work, but because they don't have anybody to do that fucking work. And it's all because all the people out there who think they know everything and really literally know nothing, have been just fucking shit-hammering us with this whole, oh, I don't want to get ripped off by a mechanic. Well, you don't have to worry about it because there are no more mechanics. Dick. All right. Uh, just I want to pop through this list real quick, and then I'll get off for this week and let Eric uh, grab a hold of it and edit it up and see what he comes up with. He cleans them up, you know, makes them look nice and handy, nice and good. Saving money by using water instead of washer fluid. Do not do that. Okay. Up north, it'll freeze and it'll fuck your shit up because when stuff freezes, it destroys the container it's in, typically. Uh, down here in the south, don't do that either because uh, you will get algae and I have seen it. You will get algae in your washer solvent tank. Your washers won't work, but you 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 put fluid in there and you know it should work, but it's not going to work. And what happens is we have to take the tank out and clean out the algae. And a lot of times with the brand I work on, they have little strainers in there and I'll pull that strainer out and it will look like a great big foot long stringer of fucking snot on the end of that strainer, blocking it up. And it's algae, and it's it's gross looking. It it looks like it looks like jizz. It's ugh. It's just terrible. I don't want to have to fuck with it. And I know that's what it is. As soon as somebody comes in and says, "Ah, oh, my washers don't work," I go, "Yeah, you put water in there." Oh, no, I don't. Yeah, yeah, you did. Um, sorry. Uh, and then I I make them buy everything. I buy they, they have to because I'm not going to clean the tank out. Fuck that. Why would I do that? If I got to go in and take that fucking strainer out, I'm going to change every fucking component i can okay it's gonna cost you money to be stupid that's just my take on it all right so don't do that don't put water in there uh here's the next one skipping oil changes because you only drive short distances really if you drive short distances you should probably actually change your oil a little more often because you're going to get more byproducts of combustion into your oil because your pistons haven't tightened up the rings against the cylinder walls after they've heated up because you're driving short distances okay so you're gonna get a lot more carbon in there you're gonna get a lot more of whatever kind of other fucking byproducts of combustion there are in a combustion chamber you're gonna get more of those going past the rings because they don't seat that well when they're cold they seat really well when they're warm but if you're gonna take it on short trips it's never gonna get warm i'll tell you a story a, a few years ago a friend of mine bought a farm truck and this particular farm truck uh had really only about uh three or four thousand miles on it it was about 20 years old at the time and it smoked like a train because they would bring they brought it home from the dealership and they put it out in the farm and they used it to move hay and they drove it 30 40 feet and shut it off and they did that for 20 years 
And now I don't believe that there were actually any piston rings in it whatsoever because it smoked that fucking much. So you got to drive them. Cars need to be driven. They hate to not be driven. The brand that I work on definitely, 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 definitely hates to not be driven. Drive them. Fuck them. They built them for a reason. Drive them. You know, and, and, and it, it sucks if you're on a farm like that. You might not even register a farm vehicle like that. You know, you might not even put it on the road or put insurance on it. You just use it on the farm. Drive it around the farm every once in a while. Go bombing around a field or something. Drag some shit down the road. Fill it up with firewood, something. Take it Take it for a, tr- a trip. Leave it running even. Fuck. But starting it up and driving short distances, it'll fucking kill your engine in an olive hurry. Seen it. Here's another one. Putting money into a beater because it's a classic. Uh, I just got done doing that. I put an engine and transmission into a 68 Cutlass Supreme that I bought about four years ago. And I actually do drive that around a little bit. But uh, I also have all kinds of goofy little fucking problems with the car, too. But you know what? I fucking love that car so much that it could fucking just explode. And I'd be like, oh, well, you know, it's cool. Well, I had it. Um, seriously, don't. Uh, if you're if you're not a mechanic, and even if you are a mechanic, really, it could be a, a colossal waste of time unless you really love it like I do. You don't want to buy an old car because all the shit on it is old. And if it's not old, it's been replaced probably by shit that isn't any good. Unless you bought all brand new OE stuff for it, which I Doubt, yeah, probably did. There's a little story here. I want to read this real quick. An anonymous technician spills the beans about a client who won't give up on her 1992 Saab. I got I to gotta tell you a, a little story. And you guys get this. I know you get this because I get this. And on my friends, we talk about this. We get this from people. They find out that you're a mechanic. And all of a sudden, they've got to ask you questions or tell you stories about what happened to them, how a mechanic ripped them off or how they did this to a car or how they had a car that did this. And I mean, it's just like it's a, it's almost really like a never ending fucking thing. It it never seems to end. It always typically starts out with, hey, can I ask you a quick question? Really, there's no such fucking thing. Um, but I had one time this woman came into my shop and I was talking to her about a car she had. And then she suddenly goes, yeah, I had another car just like it. It was a sob and I had to stop her. She goes, listen, I got to stop you right there, okay? She goes, why? I go, because... I don't want to hear your fucking stop story, okay? I don't want to hear. And she laughed, and I mean, I, I said, really, I got to get back to work, though. Seriously, I honestly do not want to hear your sob story, okay? In, in this particular case, the technician, and this was in quotes, I kept begging her to stop getting it repaired. Have you got a customer like that? Tell them to fucking give up. Just say, move on. The pick and pull called. They've got a spot reserved for you. She spent thousands and thousands on it. The parts keep getting more expensive because the company no longer exists, the technician says. But she's convinced it'll be worth a ton if she holds on to it long enough because it is rare. And the thing is, it is not rare, and she should probably trade it in for a couple hundred bucks at most. If you find yourself in the same situation, cut your losses, sell the clunker, and invest in a new car that doesn't require regular repairs. Uh, regular cars will, uh, new cars sometimes even, will require regular repairs. Uh, you're not really going to get away from it. Uh, again, Uncle Jimmy's rules are rule number one, cars break. Rule number two, nothing you can do about it. The older they get, the more they break, though. That's probably should be rule number three. Okay? And unless you are willing, like I am with my 68, unless you're willing to throw uh, money at it, uh, read IE parts and time, then you should definitely not do that. I would definitely not recommend to anyone I know that they go out and find a 68 anything, Cutlass, Chevelle, uh, Skylark, GTO, or even a, a Torino or, or whatever else they had back then for Fords. Uh, 
and or a you know, or even like a, a Dodge Charger. Highly sought after classic car, but not a real good daily driver. Not anymore, especially with a 383 with a four barrel on it. Yeah, you can pass everything except a fucking gas station. I'm sure you've all heard that before. Here's another here's another tip. Uh, this is tip number three: ignoring funny sounds and feels. Yeah, well, I think uh, as as a technician, as a mechanic, I can tell what's going on with my car. I really can. I can tell when when I buy certain kinds of gas. If I use a good grade of gas, I can tell my engine runs a little bit better than normal. If I use non-ethanol, it runs even better than that. If I use a cheaper brand of gas, it just doesn't run as well. Uh, Also, too, if the tire pressures are low, I can feel that. I can tell you if the brakes need servicing just by pressing on the pedal and finding out that it goes a little farther than I'd like. Uh, For most people, I don't think that they're that in tune with their machines. So sometimes people aren't actually ignoring a funny sound they just don't know what it is and well quite frankly they're not going to worry about it uh also too they uh there's been many 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 times i've taken cars out for a test drive and found that the tires make more fucking noise than a broken chainsaw and when i say broken chainsaw i mean one that runs but doesn't run right so okay (laughs) a broken chainsaw doesn't run so it's quiet no uh, i'm talking about one that runs and it's still fucking broken makes a shit house noise yeah i think a lot of people just aren't in tune they are not in tune with how a vehicle should sound and even if they are they can get used to a a sound over a period of time that is really bad uh the example was the uh from a couple of episodes ago the motor mounts in this one particular vehicle that i service on a pretty regular basis those motor mounts go bad and they make a they make a vibration and they make a noise when you start up the car but it comes in it it happens so gradually and over such a long period of time that customers don't seem to notice it so they don't complain about it and then once we fix it and the noise is gone they go holy shit that's a lot better (laughs) here's another one fixing badly damaged tires instead of replacing them you should never fix tires i honestly believe that if you patch tires or you plug them you're not doing anybody any favors not you not the tire manufacturers not your not your company not your shop not the customer especially uh with a lot of cars nowadays what i'm finding is that they're getting away from run flat tires and going back to regular non-run flat tires Uh, i'm not sure why the philosophy has changed there um if you have a tire that is considered a run flat tire the uh shell of that tire the sidewall and the tread area is it's got some uh structural integrity to it and if you get something that either damages it pokes through it sticks through it punctures it or damages it really in any way it really will ruin the tire it also makes it dangerous to to even continue to drive on it and if you've driven on it flat for any amount of time i'm talking even two to two to five miles they're fucking done they're fucking done they eat themselves alive and and really literally and i've said this before it's it's just true really technically all tires are run flat because you can drive right on them they don't give a shit cars don't care they they make horsepower and torque and if the tire ain't got no air in it, oh well it's just gonna be a little harder to turn but guess what here we go i've seen people driving on flat tires i've seen it it can be done so technically all tires are run flats uh but seriously in the interest of safety and the interest of being a uh, proper properly informed motorist do not fix tires just replace them when there's damage uh flushing your engine with water uh i'm not even sure what they're talking about here 
Engine troubles decided to run water to the engine to make sure all the bad stuff got out. A few minutes later, the car started shaking, turned off, and refused to turn back on. I'm not, not sure if he's talking. It doesn't say here if they if they're talking about flushing the oiling system with water. You could certainly flush the cooling system with water. You would like to at the end drain out that water and replace it with a 50-50 mix of coolant. If you're in a colder climate, uh, and this I learned when I went to WildTech years ago, uh, if you're in a very cold climate and, it, and the temperatures they were talking about were in the negative 50, 60, and 70 degree range Fahrenheit, uh, you're going to want to run a very, very close to 100% antifreeze. It was real close, real close to that because the instructor I had, had indicated that he put uh, a little too much water in with the antifreeze, and when they pulled the cars outside, they pretty much froze up almost immediately. So he didn't have the right uh, the right uh, mixture, the right concoction, the right ratio. Now, as far as flushing anything else out with water, I just got done telling you not to put it in the fucking washer solvent tank, didn't I? And I cert- you certainly do not want it in the crankcase where the oil belongs. You don't want that shit, okay, because that's definitely bad. Uh, if that's what they're talking about here, then yeah, you know, that's uh, definitely... Not a good fucking thing to do. Moving on here. Using hot water to defrost a windshield. Well, you can certainly do that if you'd like. But then the next time you come into my shop, I'm going to give you an estimate for replacing the windshield. They don't like that. It's called thermal shock. Uh, The next one is uh, setting your tire pressures based on the imprint on the tire. Do not do that. You need to go buy the door jam sticker. Uh, I did that once just kind of as a joke. I aired up um, a service advisor I had. He had a truck. And it said right on the tires to make them 80 PSI. So I did, and he got very angry because it should have been like 40 or something, 35. I said, hey, the tires said to do this. The next one is not sweating an overheating engine. Here's the deal, and you've heard me say this a million times. An engine that's overheating uh, is going to, as soon as it starts to overheat, as soon as it gets to the point where it's overheated, it's going to offer you all kinds of indications that it's overheating, okay? You're going to get some really wicked detonation. The acceleration of your engine is going to disappear. It's going to fall off a cliff. It's not going to want to go. Your AC will cease to work if you're using that. If you have the heater on, you may get more heat out of that thing than you've ever gotten. And if you have a temperature gauge, it should be bouncing off the peg over towards the end where it's painted red. Or if you have a temperature light, it should be blinking, flashing, and uh, really, in this particular case, a small arm with a fist on the end of it should come out and punch you right in the head and going, hey, I'm overheating, fuck face. Smack you about the fucking head and neck area a little bit. Here's the deal. Uh, you, you and I know this as technicians. Nobody else seems to know this. Uh, if your engine's overheating, you have to fucking stop. You have to fucking stop right fucking now. Okay? End of sentence. You're, you should you have to stop and you can't just wait a couple of minutes and then start it back up and keep going because when you shut off an overheating engine it actually gets hotter it's called heat soak it doesn't have anywhere to go and so it just kind of gets hotter it's it's kind of ridiculous it happens on my 68 cutlass supreme i have a, a really nice temperature gauge in there it's a mechanical temperature gauge it's it it cruise uh, at cruising it's at 200 when i shut the car off it actually goes up to about 205 210 I know it's going to do that. I'm not upset about it. It's not t- not telling me anything I don't already know. But when other people, people who are not mechanics, people who are not mechanically inclined, people who are not car people, when their engine starts to overheat and they should stop, they're not going to. Do you know why? And I have a name for it. I, you're going to hear it. I call it 
I wasn't home yet syndrome. Because when you ask them, your car started to overheat, why didn't you stop? They say, because I wasn't home yet. I wasn't where I was trying to go yet. And that's a problem because now they're going to, even though it's overheating, the car's still running. So everything's okay, right? No, it's not. You keep going, you keep going, you keep going. And then eventually it will shut off by itself and it will not restart. And when it does, it's probably going to shoot coolant over the fucking back of that windshield because you've blown the head gasket. And in some cases, you could blow the whole fucking thing right up, the whole engine. You get a, you put enough heat into an engine and all kinds of things are, are bad things are going to happen. Not sweating an overheating engine. Definitely a bad thing. There's no way to really teach people not to do this because I, I've been in this situation before where I'm driving a car and it starts to overheat. And I was where I was, this was a car. I still have the car. It didn't. It was not catastrophic in my case. I had a car and I was about five miles from work. And obviously I work as a technician and the temperature gauge started to go up. So I I started trying to do things to make it run a little cooler. And it actually did seem to work. And I got to work and it was on the edge of overheating. So I kind of broke my own rule, but I kept going and I I managed to get away. I had a, a, a split expansion tank. So after work, I bought one and I, I, I popped it in and I bled the cooling system and I put coolant in it and with everything was good. And it's been good. I probably put another probably put another 90,000 miles on it since then, okay? So it was okay in that case. But I'm a trained technician. I know that if my temperature gauge had started to get to a certain point, I was going to have to stop. Stop and get out my cell phone and call a tow truck and have them tow it to work and bring me along with it so I could work on other people's cars. And then when I was all done with that at five o'clock, I could work on my own. But I wasn't going to keep going until it fucking threw a rod. Uh, Here's another one. It says not to do waiting for the rain to wash your car. Who does that? I don't know anybody who does that. The rain typically makes your car dirty as fuck. I mean, the rain around here is basically just mud. I mean, your car gets, uh, these cars down here where I'm at gets so fucking dirty when it rains. It makes me wonder what's really in that rain, really. You should wash your car on a fairly regular basis. There's a lot of shit that comes out of the rain that stays on your car. We call it acid rain. There's also bird shit. There's tree sap and stuff. And if you don't want this stuff to destroy your finish or at least make it dull, you need to get it off of there. Washing the car on a semi-regular basis definitely definitely be a good thing and doing the right doing it with the right stuff that's the next one here it says using dish soap to wash your car definitely not good should always use uh the best stuff ever i ever met i ever saw was a dupont number seven car wash that shit cleans the fuck out of everything we used to use it to clean the windows in the auto parts store i worked at and the windows were so clean after that that my boss came to visit us one day i had just cleaned the windows and he goes holy shit what did you clean the fucking windows with couldn't believe how clean they were it's ridiculous i haven't seen that shit in a while but uh it was good shit i don't know where you can get it uh here's another one here creating a jerry-rigged tailpipe i'm not sure what they're talking about if you got a tailpipe that's about to fall off the car and you got a coat hanger knock yourself out jerry-rigged the shit out of that nobody really gives a fuck okay we're gonna move on from there ignoring dashboard warning lights however that can be can be bad um as a mechanic i can tell you that there's a lot of check engine lights and that's what they're talking about here mostly there's a lot of check engine lights you can kind of ignore you know the whole fuel tank vent stuff you can you know i mean obviously you want to get that stuff fixed but you don't need to, to shut the car down in the middle of a super highway, you know, in the middle lane because the check engine light came on for that shit. Uh, obviously, you can get a check engine light for a lot of things. Okay. And I always say 
And then based on what kind of car it is, it can be from anywhere from five to 10,000 different reasons. You know, it could be, you know, and, and a check engine light can come on because one wire has either power on it when it's not supposed to have power or is shorted to ground when it's not supposed to be shorted to ground or it's shorted to, uh, shorted to open, which means it broke. And that could cause you check. That's three separate check engine light codes for one wire. And there's, and if you, you, you know this as well as I do, there's millions of fucking wires on the cars. So a check engine light can come on for anywhere from three to 5,000 different reasons and up to 10,000, I think, really. I think there's a lot of different fault codes out there that we are not even aware of that are typically only able to be diagnosed by a brand manufacturer's uh, diagnostic machine. But here's the thing that I think a lot of people don't know about check engine light. The check engine light is only ever going to come on when there is increased emissions. That's it. Honestly, the check engine light doesn't give a shit if your car is misfiring. It doesn't care. What it does care about is the fact that when it's misfiring, it's creating increased emissions. That's why it doesn't like it. That's why it doesn't like uh, misfires. That's why it flashes when when they're misfiring, because that's when you get the most pollution out of an engine is when a cylinder is misfiring or more than one is misfiring. So you're always gonna you're always gonna see that check engine light on if you're making pollution. A loose gas gap, yeah, it makes pollution. You're leaking, uh, you're venting gasoline vapors into the air. It decided years ago in California that that's no bueno. That's why you get a check engine light for that. So you, they need to control fuel tank vapors. You know, you know the story. They need to control fuel tank vapors, and if they don't aren't controlled properly, you're going to get the old check engine light, the old P0442. That's it. That was 13 of them, and that's it, okay? Um, so that's it for your Uncle Jimmy. I just wanted to, to kind of throw together a podcast that lets you know how important you are because a lot of people don't know the stupidest fucking things about their car. They don't know anything about their cars, and they need you. They're going to insult you. They're going to take you for granted. They're going to treat you like shit. And I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do about it. I have tried and I've come up with a a few different crazy solutions, but nothing really doable. So we're just going to have to put up with it. But I want you to know, I want you to feel important because you are important. I want you to feel like you're doing good for society. You are. If you fix something and the check engine light no longer comes on, it means they're no longer making pollution, which means they're not lowering the IQ of a kid who lives 100 feet away from a a major interstate highway. And he might even live under power lines. Who knows? Uh, and you, you're not really helping with that, especially with electric cars, but you can at least help with what goes in his nose or what goes into the water that he's, he's bathing or drinking. Okay. Uh, it might sound ridiculous, but uh, you know, we got to kind of keep track of that stuff and keep it away from, from human beings. Some of that stuff that comes out of the car, some of the stuff that a car does, some of the stuff that a car makes, you people are the ones out there doing that. Okay, so I want to say it one more time before I get off tonight and before I end the podcast. I want to say thank you very much for what you do. It is important. You are important. Nobody's going to tell you that except for your Uncle Jimmy, but I I need for you to know it. I need for you to know that. And people are going to accuse you of ripping them off. They're going to accuse you of making too much money. They're going to accuse you of fixing things that weren't broken when they really were or you really restored a system back to brand new by replacing something that eh, probably could have kept working for a little while longer, but guess what? It's it's out of there. You do what you do, keep it up, keep up the good work, fight the good fight, and thank you very much. This is your Uncle Jimmy. He's signing off, and it's time for it at the end here where he goes, see ya.